This is week one of our Christmas series, A Storybook Christmas. Uh, participation required. When you hear Storybook Christmas, what comes to mind? Anybody? Chris, what'd you say? Christmas carols? What? Now before Christmas, what about snow? Come on, we always say, oh, I just want a white Christmas this year. It'd be so perfect, huh? Hot chocolate? Hot, hot, hot chocolate. Come on, that's my kid. They watch it every uh, Christmas Eve night. Anybody know what I'm talking about? What movie? Polar Express. Uh, well, come on, what else do you think of family? Cousin Eddie? Only a Cousin Eddie would say they think of Cousin Eddie. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, we think of those things. But because we've got this picturistic view of what a storybook Christmas looks like. But in reality, here's what probably it looks like. Play that clip for me. tell you all this, but what the heck. With this bonus check, I'm putting in a swimming pool. <laughs> That's it. That's the big one. Open it. I'm sorry if I've been a little short with everyone lately. It's, I've been waiting for this bonus. To make sure the pool goes in as soon as the ground thaws, I had to lay out the money in advance. And until this little miracle arrived, I didn't have enough in my account to cover the check I wrote. Tear the slipper open, Dad. Yeah. <laughs> Drum roll. <laughs> There's enough left over. I'm going to fly you all down here to help us dedicate it. <gasps> I can't swim, Clark. I know that, Eddie. Clark, what's wrong? Honey. <laughs> it's bigger than you expected? <laughs> Year membership in the Jelly of the Month Club. Oh, God. Clark, that's the gift that keeps on giving the whole year. That it is, Edward. That it is indeed. I'm sorry, Clark. This isn't the biggest bag over the head punch in the face I ever got. Son.
any of you are looking for any last-minute gift ideas for me, I have one. I like Frank Shirley, my boss, right here tonight. I want him brought from his happy holiday slumber over there in Melody Lane with all the other rich people. And I want him brought right here with a big ribbon on his head. And I want to look him straight in the eye, and I want to tell him what a cheap, lying, no-good, rotten, four-flushing, low-life, snake-licking, dirt-eating, inbred, overstuffed, ignorant, blood-sucking, dog-kissing, brainless, monkeys, hopeless, heartless, overstuffed, bug-eyed, stiff-legged, spotty-lipped, worm-headed, sack of sucking he is. Hallelujah! Where's the Tylenol? Some of y'all can relate. When it comes to those emotions, because when you look back on 2020, you're like, I had so much hope for a better year. I had hopes that, man, I was going to get this. I was going to get the family I wanted. I was going to get the vehicle I wanted. I was going to get the job I wanted, go to the school I wanted. And all you ended up with was a jelly of the month membership. And it's jelly that's expired. To beat it all, I'm getting a little ring. If you want to help me out back there, please. But you can relate. That, that's what it's kind of, and, and it's frustrating. I read a story a couple years ago, a true story, uh, about this, this uh, bus driver. He worked for several years for the New York Transit Department. One day, he just goes missing. Just goes missing. Nobody knows where he is. His family Family doesn't hear from him for days. They have no idea where he's at. Uh, his co-workers, friends have no idea where he's at. So they go on this massive hunt to try to find this missing uh, bus driver. And after 10 days of him being gone, they find him. And he is in Florida soaking up the sun on the beach. And when they ask him what happened, here's what he said. He said, I'd had it with the cold weather, the passengers, my family. One day as I was clocking out from work, I thought, I wonder what would happen if I just took off, left this place, and began to drive. And that's just what I did. I don't know if you've ever been there where you thought, man, I'll just forget this. I'm just going to jump in my vehicle and drive. Get away. If you have never felt that way once in your life, especially then, during this pandemic, you are one of three things. You are a liar, you're a psychotic, or you're a saint. And we know the third one is not any of you in this room. Because we've all felt that desire, man. Forget this. I'm sick of this. This is not the life that I'd hoped for. I'm just going to jump in the car and drive. I mean, let's, let's face it. The pandemic... Uh, kids being home more than they usually are, uh, you and your spouse being in the same room more than you usually are, and, and it's brought on a whole list of new problems and frustrations. And we think, man, this is not the life I'd hoped for. This isn't the marriage I'd hoped for. This isn't the job, the career I'd hoped for. Maybe it's your kids are driving you crazy and, and you love them, but they've taken crazy now to a whole new level. Maybe it's your parents. Maybe you're thinking, oh, my parents have taken crazy to a whole new level. And if you, had to, if you had to live with the kids they live with, you'd take crazy to a whole new level too. 
Parents, can I get amen? Come on now. Maybe it's your health. Tired of battling the health problems. Maybe it's finances. Your bills just keep seem, seem to keep piling up. Maybe it's someone hurt you. Someone let you down. Somebody wasn't there for you. Maybe it's life in general. And you just think, man, I'm frustrated. And you're thinking, this isn't the life I'd hoped for. If you've ever felt, felt that way, or if that's where you are today, this is for you. And you need to understand this. You are not alone in those feelings. Uh, today, with it being the start of our uh, Christmas series, I thought what better passage from the Bible better describes the vivid imagery of Christmas than Ecclesiastes 2. Actually, it has nothing to do with Christmas. But as I read this, I thought, man, this describes where a lot of people are at today. Now, let me give you a little history with Ecclesiastes chapter 2. It was written by King David's son, King Solomon. The Bible says this about King Solomon. He was the wisest and the wealthiest man to ever live. He had anything and everything he wanted. Those of you that have been trying to get the PS5 or the new Xbox series, hey, listen, he had it because he knew people. I mean, he had anything and everything he wanted he had the wealth, the fame. Then he says this in Ecclesiastes 2.9. I became greater by far than anyone in, in Jerusalem before me. In all this, my wisdom stayed with me. Look what he says. I denied myself nothing that my eyes desired. I refused my heart no pleasure. I denied myself nothing that my eyes saw and wanted. Isn't that kind of where we're at today? I mean, our culture, if we want it, we go after it, whether we can afford it or not. Come on. I see people making decisions. I'm like, well, you want to know why you're struggling financially? You need to learn to make better decisions. But not just, I'm talking about that. We see a relationship. We see a, a person. We go after it. I deny myself nothing. Come on, and that's kind of where we're at. And we, for some reason, we think if we can get what it is we're wanting, that will change everything. If I can get the job, if I can get the house, if I can get the car, if I can get the relationship, then I'll be happy. But he says this, my heart took delight in all my labor, and this was my reward for all my labor. He said, it's almost like he's sitting in the middle of everything that he had acquired. Everything and thing, and you would think if you're sitting and you're looking at all the stuff you've got, all the things your hard work has got, you you think you'd be thinking, man, this is the life. Look at everything I've got. Look at everything I've worked for. I put my priorities out for this. This is what it's worth. But he says, but as I looked at everything I'd worked so hard to accomplish, it was meaningless. Like chasing the wind, there was nothing really worthwhile anywhere. The message says, I saw nothing but smoke when I looked at everything that I'd acquired. Solomon says, everything that I thought would bring me joy, everything that I thought was important, everything that I put a priority on, it was meaningless. And then look, jump down to verse 17. Look what the wisest, most wealthiest man that ever lived says, so I came to hate my life. Stop there. 
the wisest, wealthiest man that could have anything he wanted says, I began to hate my wife. What made him look at this and say, man, I, I hate, he says, because everything done, everything I've worked for here under the sun is so troubling. Everything is meaningless like chasing the wind. Everything I'd worked for, everything I lived for, it's meaningless, and I begin to hate my wife. You ever raised your expectations for something only to be let down? Come on. You sit, kind of set yourself up for disappointment. Like, I'll tell you, I'm not going to tell you the name of the restaurant, but uh, Denise and I, when the Massingales were in, we wanted to uh, take them to, to uh, this Chinese restaurant. We knew they loved Asian food. Hey, we'll take you to this Chinese restaurant. We love it. It's so good, man. Food, man, they knock it out of the park every time. We take them there. The service is horrible. They are slow. The food comes out. It is barely lukewarm. It is not any good. And we left there, man, and these get in the car, and we like, what was that? I, I mean, you built it up to be let down. Or what about this? You ever had somebody tell you about this movie? Oh, you got to see this movie. I just saw it was the best movie. I'm telling you, it is mind-blowing and mind-changing. So you, you go out and spend 30, 40 bucks for you and your uh, better half to go see the movie. Then you peel out another $100 for, for a small popcorn candy and a small drink. And Come on now. And then you, those were the good old days. Uh, and then you sit there for two hours. You get up and walk out of that theater and think, that was the biggest pile of scuba I've ever seen in my life. That's a Greek word. Some of y'all need to learn it. And, and that I've ever seen in my life. I will never listen to them when it comes. My kids know me by now. I will, I'll do this and I find great joy in it. Uh, by telling them about a movie. Dude, I'm telling you. It's a, but I'm telling you, it's going to be a slow start, but stick to it because the end is a payoff. And they'll call me afterwards like, Dad, that was the dumbest thing I've ever watched. I, I know, I know. I had to sit through it, so I wanted you to. So <laughs> what about Christmas, parents? Don't you, 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 you think, I've got the perfect gift for my kid. And you, I mean, you put so much thought into it. You know the box. You sit there waiting for them to open it up and anticipating. They open it up, see it, and they put it to the side and go on to the next. And you're like, what? I put a lot of thought. And you build up these expectations only to be let down. My expectations were built up today, but I know they're not going to be let down. Me and Denise is getting ready to go on a trip. Uh, get, get away for a few days. We're going to be going out to Colorado. And I'm sitting in my office. I get a text from my wife. I'm so excited to have you to myself for the next couple of days. I sent her back an emoji of Daniel Bryan going, yes, 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 yes. My expectations are high. Man, you're going to get a new man next Sunday. I, I, my expectations. But you build those expectations up. And what, what, what Solomon is saying, man, I thought these things would bring me joy. I thought these things would bring me happiness, but they're meaningless. They're meaningless. And, and, and so many of us, we go through life. We give, us, give ourselves anything we want. And, 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 and honestly, it gives us momentary satisfaction. It feeds 
that rush for a moment, but we know that later results are going to be empty again. It's going to be empty. And here's the truth. With a year like we've had COVID, man, and everything that's going on, the civil unrest, uh, the, the riots, the election, it's easy to look back and think, that year was horrible. That is not what I wanted for my life. Come on. Can, can we be honest here? That, that, that is not what I wanted. You know what? If I'm being honest, I kind of hate where I'm at in life right now. I, I hate where I'm at financially. hate where I'm at relationally. hate where I'm at emotionally. hate where I'm at career-wise, school-wise. This is not the life I'd hoped for. Do you remember when all this started and we were having to quarantine and stay in? And so they thought it'd be a good idea to get the movie stars and the famous athletes to post these little things that said, we're all in this together. I'm thinking, no, we ain't. I ain't got a bowling alley in the bottom of my house. I ain't got a movie theater where I can go to. Come on. I ain't got a, a, an Olympic-sized pool, basketball court in the back of my yard. Your life's good. I ain't got a house big enough where I can hide from my family if I need to. Come on. I'm stuck in a double wide, just trying to get away in the bathroom, and then I see these little fingers under the door. Come on. We're not in this together. And we say that because we think all of those things they have give them peace, give them joy, give them happiness. Yet King Solomon said, he said, I had everything I could possibly want and then some. I had the money. I had the fame. This guy literally lived the rock star life. He had 700 wives and 300 mistresses. No wonder he was miserable. Come on. Come on now. Woo, I can barely keep up with one. But he says, I, when I looked at everything, he said, I deny myself nothing, anything I wanted. But I, when I looked at everything I've got, it was meaningless. Why did he consider everything that he had meaningless? This scripture tells us. The one that's up on the screen, he said, because everything done was here under the sun. Everything I was doing was for right here, right now. It was to satisfy this fleeting pleasure. Now, think about most of us, if we're honest, we go through life uh, trying to be satisfied, trying to be happy, trying to have it all. And here's the problem. The places we try to find satisfaction, the places we try to find that happiness are here under the sun. And it will always leave us wanting more. Always leave us empty. And Solomon says it became frustrating me. He said it's like this. It's like chasing the wind. In other words, I'm never going to catch it. The thing I want most, I'm never going to catch it. Here's the question we've got to wrestle with today. Are you that person that Solomon's talking about? Are you living all your, pleasure, all your life right now for everything under the sun right now? For just momentary pleasure, momentary satisfaction. I want to give you three warning signs to show whether that's where you're at. Three warning signs. And, and I'm going to be very honest. Over the past nine to ten months, I've said every one of these. Every one of these. And I've had to reevaluate and refocus myself and get myself back on the path. And here's the thing. If you ever find yourself or thinking this a lot, I I am frustrated. 
Man, I, come on. That hit 99%. I'm frustrated. I, I, I'm frustrated with life. Uh, the, the, here, here's the problem with frustration. A lot of time, it exhibits itself through anger. You get frustrated and you get angry. And that, that's why you come home and, and your spouse or your kids are like, why are you so angry all the time? And you yourself, I don't know why I'm angry all the time. I don't know why I'm losing it. It's, I'm, I'm just frustrated with life. Check out what Solomon says the chapter before this in Ecclesiastes 1, verse 2. See if you can feel the frustration coming through Solomon's writing. Everything is meaningless, completely meaningless. What do people get for all their hard work under the sun? Generations come, generations go, but the earth never changes. In other words, what he's saying is this. I work hard. I bust my tail. I put everything into this and end up with nothing to show for it. Because I do it all and nothing ever changes. Generations come, generations go, but nothing ever changes. I'm frustrated. I'm frustrated with my kids, frustrated with my spouse. I'm frustrated with my job. I'm frustrated with my boss. I'm frustrated with my teacher, my, my, my school. I'm frustrated with my life. Why? Because it seems nothing is ever changing, and I'm trying to put in the work. Can anybody relate? First one. If the first one didn't get you, the second one will. You find yourself, I'm tired. I'm tired. A few months back, I caught myself saying this so much that I had to start preaching to myself. I mean, I'm out by myself. Oh, I'm tired. Kelly, shut up. Quit saying it because you're saying it over and over and over again. I'm tired. I'm tired. And I had to start preaching to myself. But, but, but if I'm not mistaken, I'm tired has now replaced I'm fine as the most common answer to how are you doing. Used to be, I'm fine. You don't believe me? Here, Business Week did a survey. They found the number one response to the question, how are you doing, is, I'm tired. In fact, they, they labeled this decade, like this, said, we are the decade of fatigue. We're tired. That was before the pandemic hit. Everybody's tired. And maybe you're coming to the end of this year, and you're saying it more and more and more. Nobody even has to ask you how you're doing. I'm just tired. Tired. Solomon could relate. Look what he says in verses 5 through 7 of chapter 1. Sun rises. Sun sets. Then it just repeats itself. It does it again. The wind blows south, blows north. Around it goes, and it does it again. It blows in circles. Rivers run to the sea, but the sea, it never gets full because the water, it just does it. It's a, its own repeat cycle. In other words, you wake up Monday and you go to work. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Saturday, I've got chores. I've got things that's got to be done around the house. Sunday, I get up and go to church. And then I repeat, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, I'm at work. Saturday, I've got, oh, I, I forgot my audience, Ben. Let, let me rephrase this. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, I go to work. Saturday, I go hunting or play ball or take my kids to travel ball. Am I getting a little too close to home? And then Sunday, if I feel like it, I go to church. If not, I sleep in and go hunting. And then I just repeat the cycle. Solomon 
Thomas saying, I'm in this cycle that just keeps going around and around, and I'm tired of it. It's making me weary because I don't see anything changing. It's just one big loop. One big, it's on repeat. I'm frustrated. I'm tired. And this third one, last one, if you felt yourself thinking or saying this, I think this is the kicker. I'm unfulfilled. If I'm being honest, what I'm doing right now is just not fulfilling. My job is not fulfilling. I think, didn't say this in my name, I think there are some moms here. Being a mom used to be so fulfilling to you. But even now, you're struggling to find purpose. Come on. You say, I'm unfulfilled. I'm unfulfilled in my marriage. I'm unfulfilled in this relationship. I'm unfulfilled in my schooling. And, and what happens is we think that fulfillment lies. If you're in a relationship or in a marriage, you're like, man, I'm just not fulfilled. Here's what our human nature says. Well, just go find another. They'll fulfill you. And here's the truth. You go to that other, you may be fulfilled for a while. But here's the problem. There's only one common denominator in both of those relationships, and it's you. It's you. Somebody tells me, I've been married four, five, six times, man. All of them crazy. <laughs> yeah, they were crazy for marrying you in the first place. Common denominator. When things go bad, we got to look, hey, what's the common denominator? Me. I was in every one of those situations that got screwed up. Maybe it's me I need to take a look at. Maybe it's me that needs to change. And we try these, we try to fulfill it. But then we go back, look, look what the wisest, again, the wisest man, wealthiest man that ever lived. Look what he says in verse 8. He says, everything is wearisome beyond description. No matter how much we see, we're never satisfied. No matter how much we hear, we're never content. In other words, I keep trying to fulfill myself with more and more. A different relationship, a different toy, a different vehicle, a different house, a different job. But I'm always left unfulfilled. My life is unfulfilling. Maybe you're here and you've never said those words out loud, but you've thought them. And you're starting to, as we're staring at just a few weeks away from a new year, you're thinking, man, I really can't afford another year like 2020. Emotionally, financially, spiritually, relationally, I can't afford to have another one of those years. It's draining me in every facet of life. If any of those are you, if you find yourself saying, I'm frustrated, tired, Unfulfilled. Maybe you're like me, and man, you you just hit the gamut. You I, all ends me. Here's what I want. I, I don't want you to leave here thinking there's no hope, because I believe things can be different for you. If you're feeling stuck or even trapped in the cycle that Solomon talked about, man, maybe you thought a new relationship or a new career and buying a, that new truck or car or uh, uh, or having a baby. That's one thing that kills me about couples that are having problems i think if we just have a baby that would fix everything it's obvious you've never had a baby <laughs> that takes things to like if it was if hell was here and baby's born hell goes up here <laughs> there is no sleep 
as, as Joe shared the other day, said this, and I, and I kept myself from saying it, but inside I'm laughing out loud. And, and, and Juno is at that age, you know, almost in her terrible twos where she's doing stuff, and, and Sheridan says, oh, I hate this age. In my mind, I'm thinking, wait till she's 14, 15. <laughs> It gets so much better. So, <laughs> so, right now you can catch them. They're easy to chase down. 14, 15, you're like, oh, God, help me. You know, you're like. <laughs> that's funny. Yeah, she makes that not think so, but I think it's hilarious. And that's the great thing about being a parent. Um, um. But maybe that's you, man. You thought these things would fulfill you. But you found yourself frustrated, tired, unfulfilled. If you want out of that cycle, out of that side that Solomon's talking about, I want to give you one thought that I think has the ability to change everything. You, you realize that information doesn't lead to transformation. Application of that information leads to transformation. I can get up here and give you the best advice, tell you what the Bible says, and that's going to do nothing for you if you don't apply it to where you're at. But I, I believe there's something here that we find in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 that has the ability to change this. The Apostle Paul wrote, uh, wrote, wrote this book. And let me give you a little background on him in case you don't know a lot about him. Uh, See, when Solomon, it talks about Solomon having anything and everything he could possibly want materially, Paul was just the opposite. Paul was the opposite. I, I, I'm talking about, see, he endured a lot of persecution, Paul did, living from day to day. Every place, he, you read his life, every place he went to minister, he ended up getting beat. Uh, he was thrown into prison on more than one occasion. He was stoned, not recreationally. <laughs> he was shipwrecked. And the Bible says that he spent, get this, I love the ocean. I mean, my wife said, I, I, I've got my uh, scuba certification. I love the ocean. But me, to me, I do not want to be in the middle of the night floating on a branch or something in the middle of the ocean. Paul did it. Paul did it. And then it says once he got to shore, he's over there trying to get a fire going, and a viper bites him. If it's me, I'm like, are you kidding me, God? Everything, everything, I'm doing this for you, and this is what I get. And then, you know, uh, you re we read about Jesus getting the 30 lashes. Paul did that five times. If anyone had a reason to look back and say, I've come to hate my life, it's Paul. Paul could have looked back and said, man, this, are you kidding? Shipwrecked? thrown into prison, beaten everywhere I go. And this is, I, God, I'm just honest, I hate my life. But Paul says this in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16. But therefore, we do not lose heart. Though in outwardly we're wasting away, though outwardly things look bad, Though outwardly the doctor's report isn't good. Though outwardly it looks like my marriage is going to collapse. Though outwardly things look bad. Inwardly, I'm being renewed day by day. For our light and our momentary troubles are achieving for us eternal glory that outweighs them 
all. He says, therefore, we do not lose heart. The New Living Translation says this. That's why we never give up. And I love the Good News Translation. It says, for this reason, we never become discouraged. Can I tell you that's what I want for my life and yours? That no matter what life throws at me, no matter what I'm hit with or blindsided by, I want to say, you know what? That hit me, but I don't lose heart. I'm not about to give up. I'm not about to. See, I want that for everybody in this room, regardless of your health, regardless of a bad doctor report, regardless of what your marriage looks like, regardless of your current job situation, regardless of what your kids are or aren't doing, that I want it so bad for us to say, we're not going to lose heart. We're not going to give up no matter what happens. I don't care what happens. I don't care if things work out the way I want them to or not. I'm not giving up. Man, I want that. So how do we get that? Paul says it in verse 18. So we fix our eyes on not what is seen, but what's unseen. I fix my eyes not on the problem that's right in front of me because I can see that too clearly. I have to fix them on what is unseen since what is seen is temporary but what is unseen is eternal. What is seen is under the sun. It's only temporary. But what's unseen? Man, that's eternal. Here's my last point. Here's what Paul is saying. The secret to dealing with frustrations or your problems and not fixing them yourself, which we try to do. The secret is finding someone bigger than those problems that steps in. Are you hearing me, church? Because you have tried to fix it yourself, and how has that worked out for you? Come on. You've tried to make the choices yourself. How's that worked out for you? I'll never forget, man, I was talking with a young guy who was struggling with addiction. And, and he, he had, I, I got him into this, this halfway home, got him in there and worked to get him in there. And then three, four weeks later, I find out he's left on his own. Doesn't tell me, doesn't call me. And I call him, oh, I, Pat, I, I've got this, PK. I've got, this, I've got that. I said, do you realize how many times I've heard that? You realize? I hope you do. But my experience tells me you don't have this. My experience tells me this. The reason you didn't call me and ask me my opinion about this is because you didn't like what you knew I was going to say to you. You wanted to do it yourself. And I said, I said man, I'm going to say this. How has that worked out for you in the 40 years of your life? How, how well, I, I ought to be able to make my own decisions, Kelly. How's that worked out for you, buddy? Showed up on my porch, homeless. Nowhere to go. And Denise runs into his brother about this past week. Tells him he's back to his old ways. See, we try to fix it ourselves. But I'm telling you, we, we are horrible at fixing our lives. Come on, let's be honest. We, we suck at fixing our lives. We're terrible at it. And we need someone bigger that steps in. And makes decisions that maybe we don't like, but he knows what's going to get us where we need to go. Secret to 
what you're feeling on the inside. Secret to that frustration is allowing someone bigger to step in. See, Paul's like, I, I have just as many problems as any of you have. But the difference maker for me is I have something in my life that is bigger and it outweighs them all. Quit trying to fix the things in your life. Quit it. Honestly, quit it. You've tried and it hasn't worked. You may get temporary relief. You may even have a few weeks where, man, you're rolling smooth. But you know your pattern as well as everybody else. And if you do not allow someone bigger to step in, you'll stay in that cycle and you'll stay in that loop until you find yourself so far at the bottom. Paul says, fix your eyes. The Greek word therefore, fix your eyes. And here I may not be saying this right, but it's go pale. Here's what it means to observe to contemplate, to take aim at. Paul says, contemplate. He said, observe it. Take aim at those things. Here's our problem. When things hit us out of nowhere, when things happen in relationships or jobs or school or things, we start to fix our eyes on those things because those are right there in front of us. Those things are staring us down. I mean, I mean, the bills are still not getting paid. They're still piling up. All we can see is the doctor's report, right? All we can see is their marriage falling apart. All we can see is their kids or that family member that's running from God. All we can see is the addiction that has ravaged our life. All we can see is, is, is as grandparents, now I'm forced to be a parent again because my kids have lost the rights to their kids. All we can see is the crisis. And Paul says, listen, I could choose to fix my eyes on everything that's happened to me in my life. But I choose to fix my eyes on something, someone that outweighs them all. Outweighs them all. Can we be honest? That's not easy to do. It's not easy to do. But if somehow we could fix our eyes on the one that's bigger, the one that outweighs those things. Maybe if we could do, learn to do that, maybe regardless of what 2020 has brought us or brings us, regardless of what the craziness going on in the world, regardless of any of those things, if we could just fix our eyes and take aim at someone much bigger, we would find ourselves when those things hit saying, I refuse to give up. I will not lose heart. I'm still in this race, and I will not quit. Stand with me across this room.